gospel before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Father in heaven, we ask thee to bless us again as thou hast already this morning with thy word. Thou would bless us this afternoon with thy word that we may be nourished by it and that our inner man may be strengthened. This we ask of thee in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's help, I'd like to read from the 27th Psalm, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servants away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my, mother, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Some time ago during our midwinter sing, the closing chapter or text that was read by Brother Bill Pamer was this, this very one, and I thought it was so fitting as, as he read it. It's, it's, it's fascinating how the word of God is so... We give it this, this uh, quality of being living. You can read the same thing over again sometime later and see completely different things. 
And I, after that midwinter thing, I spent some time reading this chapter because it spoke to me uh, in ways that I had not heard before. And and that all is always that is always a a fact when we are experiencing different things in our lives, and all of a sudden a familiar verse or a familiar text uh, takes on a different meaning. It has a special meaning that's related to what we're going through in our own lives or what others may be going through that we know, someone close to us. And I looked at this chapter and I I thought about how David, this is the Psalm of David, wrote this. And in many ways, it it gives us a picture um, how David speaks about something that's, that's common to him and common to all men, and that is the idea of fear. Fear is something that we experience. The Bible tells us that, that we ought to fear the Lord. Uh, we should have this uh, reverential respect for who God is. And while we call him Abba, which is an endearing term for, for father, we, we do so still knowing that he is God Almighty. And so we're very careful in that we give God his due respect um, in that relationship that he is God and we are his creation. But fear, fear is something that all of us experience from time to time. And I'm just reminded now, and I may not, may not find it, um, In Corinthians, and um, Apostle Paul speaks of this. Um, he talks about the dangers that he was experiencing. Um, how, in his travels and in in in, in his journeys, that um, and it's not coming to me at this very moment. But the the verse, his verse ends. One verse ends that um, there were fightings. Everywhere, in every city that he was in, he was experiencing difficulties as he knew that there would be persecutions that he would experience in the cities that he went to spread the news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he shared those experiences, he, said, he mentioned in his writings in Corinthians that um, there were fightings without, meaning that outside, uh, outside of his body, he was experiencing physical conflicts, um, whether there were persecutions, whether there were dangers from false brethren, as we heard this morning, or whatever. And then he said, so fighting's without, this is his expressions verbatim, and fears within. Fears within. So he, he gives us this picture to us that, that inside us, in our, in our in minds, in our emotions, in our heart, we experience the external experience and that may manifest itself internally as fear Uh, we're afraid of the outcome we're afraid of of and many times whether you're an optimist or a pessimist if you're a pessimist you will you will fear the worst outcome in and you 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 predict that the worst thing is going to happen to you and you may worry about it um and as I looked at that word fear, uh, 
for some reason I became fixated in the word and I looked it up and in 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 the Greek it's it's the uh, it's it's phobia right which is which is from where we get this idea of phobias fears and many issues that in our society today which has never which has been increasing over the last decades is is um, a subset of fear which is anxiety disorders um, and and it is it is a, an irrational fear um, and that's what creates this anxiety and an and unfounded irrational fear over over a circumstance or or a situation whether it's a situation that's pending meaning it's got about to happen or you think it's about to happen or that you find yourself in um, so fear is it is a natural uh, it is a natural reaction for us to experience fear and David David definitely had very many reasons to fear and he begins this verse here whom sh- in verse 1 the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear now while it is true that we can say that if god is if god the one who if if we cre- if we believe that god is the one who created who exists he is in other words he exists today and therefore we believe that he created the universe and the world and he created me if if he is my lord then whom what reason do i have to fear who can whom can i possibly fear when god is my lord when god is my light when god is my salvation the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid so David is asking this question to himself as much as he is putting the question out to, to those who would read, who would listen to the psalm, because the psalm would be put to music. And it is to encourage us and to put us in, in, the, in the right perspective that, that ultimately we have God who is truly our salvation and in all absolute terms what reason can we possibly have to fear now of course we live in the flesh we live in this body we have uh experienced pain we know what pain is Um, we may justify our fear or our anxieties of things that are pending because we've we've gone through them before and so we we justly can conclude i have a valid reason to fear what is what i perceive to be something that's going to happen to me in the future and all of us have this experience all of us to some degree or another because we dwell on this earth because we experience life we all we can all relate to what david is saying here that we want to have the cognitive notion in other words we we want to possess in our mind the very thought that says there is no rational reason for me to fear for god is my lord he is my light and my salvation whom can i rationally be afraid of but at the same time there is the reality that i experience there's the other half of me that experiences the physical world and i tend to react to that physical world sometimes in in disconnect to what i know to be true when the wicked even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell david is saying here and he 
of, of, of anyone could, could uh, articulate and explain what it felt like to be chased and pursued by Saul in particular, historically. And, and, um, and so when he uses the word, they, my foes, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, that is to consume me. And you and I can, can think of all kinds of examples in our own lives when, when there are situations or individuals that act in such a way in our lives as to the, have the same effect as, as of they're consuming who I am. They're consuming me by their, their irritation or, or, their, or their aggression or their, um, their, their uh, enmity, if you will. And David says that he understood that and then he, he says, but in their attempt to do so, they stumbled and fell. Then he goes on to say, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. In other words, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me. So the picture here, and in those days, you know, we, we, we have armies coming to attack a, 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 a fortified city, a fortified city would be a city that had high walls to prevent the invasion of, of an army. And, and that sense of being encircled and encamped where there is nowhere to go. There is nowhere else. You are completely surrounded. And in, in some ways, we, we may feel that way. And we, we go through experiences in our lives where we feel boxed in. We feel cornered in. We feel that the circumstances were not only unfair, but they were premeditatedly so. And we, we may feel this sense. And for us, this psalm can be a universal psalm. And, that we can, and that's why many times people in, in times of, of need emotional need in times of encouragement and comfort they resort back to the psalms because they can they find some they find meaning in relation to these words but david says here that my heart shall not fear even though i'm in this situation even though i the situation is visible i see the foe i see the encampment of my enemies around me i feel the entrapment the encirclement the, the being cornered in yet my heart shall not fear I shall not have this sense of fear. And though war should rise against me, outright hostility. Someone is being hostile. Someone is being antagonistic. Someone is not being my friend in the way they're behaving. Even in this situation, I will be confident of what I know to be true. That the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of whom shall I be afraid? That is what I need to be confident of. So then David moves us away from the picture of hostility and aggression and antagonism that we feel, that which we picture in our minds or we experience. And then he tells us, but this is what I really desire. When I experience these things, where do I want to be? What needs to be the place that, that my heart finds itself in, in my mind, in order to truly have the confidence and the peace that comes with the knowledge that God is my Lord, 
He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. He shall hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. So these are pictures of finding refuge, refuge from the current circumstances, refuge in the one who we know truly loves us, the one is completely impartial, the one is not only impartial, but is capable completely to meet our needs and to find and create that refuge for us. And moreover, that refuge is found in his tabernacle, in his pavilion, in his tents, in his house, in the abode of God. And when I'm in this hiding place, when I'm in this place of refuge, I'm placed upon a solid rock. I'm placed upon solid ground. My feet are firm. There is no need to fear. Notice, however, that this is not a place that you can just travel to at, at any whim. It is not somewhere where we, 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 we locate through, through Google Map or through whatever. It says here, I will seek after. I will seek after. It is an active endeavor. It is a conscious decision. Knowing the truth that the Lord is my light and my salvation, I then need to seek the place in my heart and mind that will make that reality true for me. I will seek after that place. David is telling us that, that we must, under the circumstances that we find ourselves in, make the conscious decision, even in the noise of war around us, the beating of drums, the, the, the thumping of the marching, all signals and sounds that suggest that impending danger is upon us. And the pain is coming. Under those circumstances, David is saying, I must seek after that place that will reestablish my heart and my mind into that which is true, that which is enduring, that which is unmovable and fadeth not away. Notice, therefore, that this is something that we must consciously seek after. It is a choice we make. It is a choice. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Now any of us who've ever experienced being in this place finding that refuge, being placed in a stable location in the midst of a storm. It is a natural outpouring of the heart to want to praise God. And we can see then that it's almost as if joy and music and, and, and sound put to melody that, that God created 
is part of the human experience. It is an expression of gratitude when we're in that inner sanctuary of peace with God, when we find him to be who he is, true to his word. And that's very different than the singing that we have spontaneously during congregational singing. But it also, during congregational singing, there may be somebody in, our, in, our, in one of the pews who in their own personal lives have just experienced this very thing. And they sing with that joy, wanting to thank God for who he is and what he has done. But you notice as we move to verse 7 that the tone of the psalm changes somewhat. Here he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. Now, many times, and I know that maybe I've said this when I was, not maybe, I did say it when I had, when I was recently baptized, when I was a newborn creature and Oftentimes, a brother would pray, you know, um, or brothers would pray, or anybody would pray, you know, asking God that, you know, they would be merciful and so forth. And I always questioned that. To me, logically, that just didn't make any sense. God is obviously merciful. Why are we asking God to be merciful? God is merciful. I, that's, that's just a, an, an un, unstated expectation. God is merciful. Um, God hears prayers. But... We don't say it because we don't believe it. It's not stated in a prayer by us today because we doubt God's mercy, but rather because we are expressing ourselves in prayer to our Father. We want to entreat him and petition him for his loving kindness and his mercy. Not that we ever doubt it, although we, we should not doubt it, but we are in a, in a position of need. And in that position of need, we see him as the one who provides the needs. And we, we entreat his father character, his nature. And there are times when we cry. It says here, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, when I cry unto you, God. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Answer me and answer me. This is, David isn't asking God. He's not doubting God, although there are times in our lives there is doubtful. Undoubtedly, there are times in our lives when we do doubt God. When, when, we, do, when we don't understand the, the situation that we find ourselves in, it makes no sense to us. We can relate to David, and, and we, we cry to God with our voice in our, in our private room, in, during our own private time with God, and we ask God to answer us. And yet we don't know whether God will answer us. We don't know whether God will answer this specific prayer that we have, this desire that we may have. And David says here, When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Notice that this psalm and what David is expressing, and David, David, the Bible says, was a man after the heart of God. He was one who, even though he was a man of war, 
He was a mighty, man, a mighty man of valor, the Bible talks about. And if you know anything about warfare, you know, today in our warfare, we use, you know, we use automated weapons. In those days, they had swords. In those days, warfare was of, of a very different kind. And so when a man was a man of warfare, he was a bloody man. He was a man that had seen violence and had seen things that, that, that we don't, in our generation, in our time, in this age, we don't experience, not to that level. And yet it was common. And, that's, and that, to me, is, is a puzzling thing, that in that time, that was the norm. When warfare came, man became um, soldiers. Man became machines of violence. David was such a man. He destroyed many Philistines. And, and, and that was one of the reasons why God did not allow David to build the temple because he had too much blood in his hands. And yet God was, David was, a man after the heart of God. Where do we find this heart of God? Well, we find not in the warfare. We find the heart of God in these very intimate expressions of the intercourse that went between David and God. David felt at times distant from God. He felt at times that he was crying to God for help, and he, and, and, and he felt that he needed God's mercy, and he needed God to answer him. And then it says in, in verse 8, um, when thou sayest, again, this is, this is the best interpretation that the, the writers of the King James uh, put together for this verse, because this is an italic, when thou sayest, after entreating God, after seeking his face, after seeking him in prayer and asking for him to, to, to provide or to deliver or to, to answer in the time of need, the response back from God that we then feel in our heart or in our mind is God saying, when thou sayest, in other words, God's, God is speaking and David is responding that, God, when you said to me, seek ye my face, my heart then responded, thy face, Lord, will I seek. What is God saying here? He wants us to draw even closer. And at times, God doesn't answer, but he says, seek ye my face. Come closer. Get to know me more. Come closer to me. And make your petitions known to me. Make them emphatically known to me. Without doubt, make them clear to me. Completely pour yourself out to me. Completely expose yourself to me, to God. Become completely open and vulnerable to him. God doesn't want us to hold back anything. God is not someone that we, like a vending machine where we, you know, when we have a need, we put something in and we get something out. No, God, this, this is the Father. We, we, we need to be completely broken before him. And when he says, seek ye my face, the right response the right response from us is, your face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Does God put you away in anger? Or does it seem that way when, when we don't get a response? Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me out. But that doesn't mean that your mother and your father actually forsake you. It could just simply mean that when your mother and your father are no longer alive, 
when you can't any longer go to the ones that have walked long in faith before you have and find the comfort and wisdom and encouragement from them, then it's when you need to be completely reliant. There is no one else that you can rely, go back to, no other experience that you can go to, you need to go to the Lord. And those times can come when we find ourselves where we are alone, where we're not with the support of our parents or our siblings or someone that we know. So it's not that they forsake you, it's just that they're no longer there for natural reasons. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted. In other words, had I not believed that I would see God's blessing in my lifetime, I would have fainted under the circumstances that I find myself in. I would lose hope. I would lose faith. But yet, he is saying here, unless I had believed, it is a willful decision that you and I make to believe that God is going to bless us while you and I journey in the land of the living, meaning in this lifetime. We're not talking about the future life. We're talking about the lifetime that we're living. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God has blessed, will bless, is blessing us in this journey? And the blessing may not, and we may doubt that blessing or question that blessing because he may not necessarily be answering what you are requesting. But David says, if I didn't believe this, I would have fainted. I would have been overcome by my circumstances. So the remedy to to fainting or to the avoidance of fainting is to believe that God will bless us in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Now I could say that like that or I could be very gentle say wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. But it depends in the circumstances you're in. Sometimes you have to be bold. Sometimes, you know, like the Bible says, quit you like man. In other words, grow up, stop being a young you know, adolescent. It's time now to be courageous and very strong and go forward in battle. And so at that point, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. That's, that's an adamant statement. It is the affirmative. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. We will never stop learning the ways of the Lord. The Bible tells us that his ways are past finding out, which means it does not mean that, that we can never find God, but rather that we cannot exhaust God. We cannot exhaust his, his, the way in which God works. And so then in every, 
aspect of our lives, we are continually learning more about him. What I find from what we've read today is that in David's experience, at the end of it all, when he is surrounded with, with difficulties, when he wants to believe that the Lord is his light and salvation, when he wishes to go to that place of refuge, and when he finally comes to it through his own personal struggle of faith and trust in God, after that experience, he realizes that what God has put him through was a teaching moment, an experience for him to know God more. And that's how God works. That all experiences and and circumstances in our lives are for God to teach us who he is and for us to know him more. So in the end, as we experience him, as we go through a cycle of, of... of a need to come to that refuge and to, to, to know with, with certainty that God is in control and we secure that peace of mind, we conclude, God, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I now understand that, that you are teaching me your ways with what is happening and what will happen tomorrow and what is going to happen in the future. They are your way of bringing me closer to you and your way of me learning to trust in you and to uncover more of your character as the loving God, as the loving Father. May we trust him. May we seek after that refuge and learn to seek his face and believe that he is going to bless us while we live in the land of the living. This concludes our service. Amen.